It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold. Post Calver Gold, your trusted feeding partner for your dairy herd this spring. On C103. Hello and welcome to Farm Talk. I'm Barry O'Mahony. Progress has been reported this week on the controversial Fair Deal Nursing Home Scheme issue. New requirements for Irish agri-food exporters to the UK will be introduced from October next. The forestry licensing crisis has deepened amid calls for an external review of the applications process. As the silage season beckons, there's been a call for zero tolerance for sharing tractor motion videos. Derrigo launches its annual Rapid Pink campaign in aid of the Irish Cancer Society. There's more on MACRA activities across Cork. And John O'Connor has the stories making the agri-news this week. Farm Talk on C103. Progress has been reported on the controversial Fair Deal nursing home scheme funding issue. Progress, the IFA say, is long overdue for farm families. IFA President Tim Conlon said Cabinet approval for the Fair Deal scheme changes was overdue. This, he said, was a very emotive issue for farm families. The IFA will be studying the legislation when it comes before the Oireachtas. The IFA had raised the issue frequently with successive ministers and most recently with Minister Mary Butler, who has responsibility for older people. IFA Farm Family Chairperson Caroline Farrell said farmers had been told two years ago legislation was on the way. The update from Minister Butler is welcome and we'll be examining the detail, Ms Caroline Farrell confirmed. However, the IFA President Tim Connell said the scheme as it stands is fundamentally unfair. It's bringing huge stress and worry on farm families, placing a question over farm viability while they wait for the government to act. Up to now, farmers had had to actually sell parts of the farm so to be able to protect and keep their loved ones in nursing homes. And we speak now about fair deal. That is not fair. It wasn't good enough. So, so I think this is a welcome move forward and hopefully it will get through the doll and we'll be passing the doll in the coming weeks. The National Ploughing Championships trade exhibition will not go ahead this year owing to the COVID pandemic. 
The event normally draws a crowd of around 300,000 people and was due to take place in Rahaniska in County Leash in September. Organisers say it's been cancelled because of uncertainty about what COVID restrictions will be in place at that time. National ploughing competitions will still go ahead and there will be possibly some visitors allowed. Anna-Marie McHugh says they had no choice but to cancel the trade exhibition. We um, are at a point that really we should be we should be starting to map out our event at this point in time and we've sought clarity on what the situation would look like in September in relation to um, restrictions and to get some idea of what we we have to work with. And we don't have any kind of a roadmap, so we, we just can't, we, we can't progress any longer. We can't expect exhibitors to actually book sands. You know, we've 1,700 companies that exhibit at the ploughing. It's a huge event for them. Obviously, economically, you're talking about an, an, an economic impact in the region of 50 million. You know, we, we don't have anything to offer them. We don't have anything to say to them. We can't tell them this is what it will look like. It's what we think it'll look like. We've had no... No guidelines whatsoever on that. So that's mainly the reason. Food exporters to the UK, with the exception of Northern Ireland, need to know that they'll be subject to additional Brexit-related requirements from the 1st of October this year. In recent days, the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnellogue, has been urging Irish agri-food exporters to be ready for these new requirements. John O'Connor joins me to explain what these new requirements are. On the 11th of May, Minister Charlie McConnellogue updated the Irish Government and exporters on the next phase of the UK import requirements for SPS goods, SPS sanitary and phytosanitary goods, essentially food and animal imports. Since Brexit, the European Union has been attempting to negotiate a veterinary agreement with the UK which would keep the UK food safety and animal health rules permanently aligned with the EU. Britain has declined to agree to such an alignment with UK import rules. So from October the 1st, Irish exporters to the UK or exporters using the UK land bridge transiting the UK will need to make preparations for changes. No longer business as usual. And maybe, John, you can outline what these changes to UK import requirements will be. These requirements will include export approval pre-notification to UK authorities, and export health certification to and through Great Britain, the provision of export health certificates for exports for consignments transiting the UK land bridge. That'll be a particular challenge, with the volumes expected to rise significantly above current certification requirement levels. The dispersed nature of agri-food and fisheries businesses exporting to Great Britain and the just-in-time nature of the trade bring further resource and process implications for certifying authorities and businesses involved. So for Irish agri-food exporters, after the 1st of October 2021, it will certainly not be business as usual. Has the Department of Agriculture some contact phone numbers or websites which listeners who are agri-food exporters to the UK could take note of? Yes, indeed, Barry. There are several contacts which would have all the information required and they are as follows. The first uh, port of call could be Brexit registration at agriculture.gov.ie. Now, all of those are lowercase letters. That's Brexit registration at agriculture.gov.ie. .gov.ie, all one word. Anyone moving goods from, to or through the UK, excluding Northern Ireland, should register with the Irish Department of Agriculture as an exporter or importer. 
they should go on the TRACES system, that's T-R-A-C-E-S, big letters, as appropriate. That website again, all lowercase letters, Brexit registration at agriculture.gov.ie. Companies uh, should also register with revenue and obtain an E-O-R-I number, that's E-O-R-I number, if they haven't done so already, so register with revenue. And you mentioned a phone number and SPS controls. That phone number is 076-106-4343. Companies also should familiarise themselves with the SPS controls, which have already come into effect, or which will operate post-October 1st, 2021. Full SPS information on the following website www.gov.ie or this rather long one gov.ie hyphen Brexit and the agri-food sector brackets www.gov.ie Another good online information and guidance website for the existing and post-October 1st UK import regulations is Brexit at agriculture.gov.ie, capital B, all of the rest lowercase. And John, you might give a brief overview of the three stages of implementation of these UK import regulations. The UK is implementing a phased approach for the introduction of its import requirements, including the SPS controls. The UK first phase was introduced on 1st of January 2021. On March 11th, uh, 2021, The UK government announced a delay in the introduction of additional import controls which had been scheduled to take place on 1st of April 2021 and 1st of July 2021. These requirements will now come into effect on October 1st 2021 and January 1st 2022 and March 1st 2022. But barely five months to go before the introduction of the next phase, October the 1st. Yes, indeed, Barry, you're right. Less than five months to go to October the 1st, 2021. And anything to do with bureaucracy or paperwork, we know, can be time-consuming at the very best of times. Thanks, John. A timely reminder again that the closing date for BPS is next Monday, May the 17th. Seamus Lorden of Chagas joins us on the programme this week and he has a few pointers in relation to the basic payment scheme deadline. As you say, it's, it's Monday the 17th is the deadline. Look, it's important that you, you get in your BPS application. It can be amended up to the end of May. So look, number one, get your BPS application in. If you're transferring entitlements in or out, maybe it's from father to son or mother to son or daughter or you know you're leasing or renting entitlements all those transactions have to be done for monday the 17th if you're applying for a young farmer scheme or the national reserve again all that has to be done for the 17th you can amend the basic payment after the 17th but you have to have it really in for the 17th and to apply for the um, area of natural constraints so look 17th is the date and if you need to change your BPS, you can change that afterwards, but no other of the schemes that I mentioned there, the Young Farmer Scheme, the National Reserve, the Area of Natural Constraint, really you can't really amend those after the date anyway. Farm Talk on C103. Mr Ray Doyle, Livestock and Environmental Services Executive of ICOS, points out that with March due back next Monday, farmers need to be realistic regarding what to expect and what can be allowed under the less restrictive but nonetheless still applicable COVID protocols. 
Ray points out many farmers, especially those who've received vaccines now, have been contacting mart managers across the country, indicating their intention to attend the mart next week. He points out this is almost at pre-COVID levels and possibly due to the sense of security that the ongoing vaccine rollout is creating amongst farmers and the general public. However, he emphasises we are not out of the woods just yet. Depending on the local circumstances, not all marts will be allowing sellers to attend, but some sheep sales, especially in marts that sell sheep in pens, will be continuing sales due to the necessity to maintain social distancing. And he cautions, we can only look forward to business as usual next autumn, certainly not next week. ICOS welcomes the fact that the vaccine rollout is progressing strongly, however it's essential for nobody to let their guard down and that all necessary precautions should continue to be observed. Where applicable, most marts will be operating a restricted ringside at two metres distancing and will be continuing the clearance of the mart yard when the sales commence due to COVID-related management requirements as stipulated by the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine and the Public Health Authorities. Ray reminds us that the last thing anyone wants or needs is a resurgence of the virus. Marts are being allowed to operate under a strict set of operating procedures similar to what was operating last June. In effect, buyers will be allowed back around the mart site at two metres social distancing plus mandatory mask wearing. Sellers can now return to mart centres but only where the mart centre can safely accommodate them and can marshal the two metres social distancing. And a plea from ICOS. Please travel only to your local mart if it's absolutely essential. General visitors and observers should not attend marts. Adherence to the reopening plans for society and the economy is essential so we can ensure a full recovery of marts on or as near as possible to a normal basis as soon as possible over the coming months. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. A year ago, we discussed the backlog in the issuing of private forestry licences. This week, it emerged that for six months in a row, the Department of Agriculture had failed to meet even half of its targets. Industry sources say the overall backlog for afforestation, felling and road licences reached 6,300 applicants by March 20th, including 1,800 forestry licensing applications submitted by Quilta. Another bottleneck of almost 2,000 applications for private forest owners, mainly farmers, to fell and thin their woodlands has also built up in the department's ecology division. Farming Independent also reports private forest owners are being urged by the department to source and fund their own ecology reports in order to get ahead of the queue. Senator Tim Lombard has been outspoken on the issue, saying the licence crisis is frightening. And I put it to him that very little seems to have improved over the past 12 months. No, it's very, very upsetting for the industry and the manufacturing itself. Like we're trying to make sure we can put in place a regime that can be streamlined. Unfortunately, there's been more staff employed. We've over 20 ecologists employed by the department now. But the output of licences hasn't really changed. We literally have 1,800 forestry licences still stuck up in the actual process without any real conclusion to it. The backlog is just creating havoc throughout the entire industry. Major timber manufacturers can't get product. There's a great frustration in the industry itself. So much so we're bringing the department back before the committee 
uh, next Tuesday week to discuss the actual crisis itself. Where is the problem as such at the source there, Tim? What's the kernel of the issue? There was legislation change and an ecological study was to be provided for some of the applications. Uh, the department was slow to actually bring in new staff. They have now brought in over 20 new ecologists in the last um, six or eight months to try and deal with the backlog. But because of this, we're not seeing the actual licences coming through. And what's left now is the problems of there be cases that need new studies, new new information, and the amount of licences being granted, in particular for felling, is 50% lower than what the department themselves said on drone figures, what they're estimating. So we're now having licences literally spending two or three years in the system before they actually can be determined. And the knock-on effect going down the line is the actual amount of planting that has been affected. People coming into industry don't have the confidence to actually plant. And we're going to see in 30 years' time, unfortunately, a big lag in actual timber being available. So it's a two-pronged issue, really. One is the licences and one is the lack of planting on the ground. And in terms of the ecology reports that are required, this week we've learned that people are being told to go and source their own ecology report, but it's not just as simple as that. No, number one, you must find a qualified ecologist to actually do it. Number two is the costings of this. Some of these holdings are quite low. An ecology report could cost any up to €1,500. And also the actual information required by the department of some of these reports is quite daft, I think. They really are blanketing the ecology reports and looking for information nearly in every licence at this stage. So it really is a kind of administration nightmare. And because of that, the industry itself is under exceptional pressure to get actual product. And the other side of it is the farmers or the people who are planting the forestry are literally walking away from the industry. And this is when you talk about climate change and what we need to be doing regarding carbon sequestration. Like this is what we need to be promoting on the other side of the house. There is no confidence in the marketplace and people aren't planting the trees. You've been calling for an external review. Who should carry out that, Tim? Well, I think that external review is really important because at the moment we have department officials coming before us nearly on a bi-monthly basis giving us updates which aren't really accurate on the ground. It has to be independent. It has to be independent of the Department of Agriculture at this stage. And I think we need to bring in experts and particularly maybe from someplace like Scotland which has a really effective forestry regime over there. They would be the global leaders regarding how we actually manage a forest and how we actually manage the actual forest service itself. We've done a lot of work regarding reports. We need to see action on the ground. So I think that um, external review needs to come in from hopefully um, abroad and hopefully gives a fresh view on how the department can do their business on the ground. When we spoke last year, Tim, we were importing timber from Scotland at the time. We spoke about the difficulties that it was causing to our industries. Yeah, so Creelshire, after having only one auction, one auction of timber so far this year, because of that, we still have the phenomenon of actually importing raw timber coming in from Scotland, landing blown passage. And I think that is a real disappointing issue that in Ireland, of all countries, we have to import uh, raw material to keep our actual lumber business going. And that's a huge issue for us. It's basically akin to actually importing milk to have our actual dairy industry going. And that is a really sad reflection of where the industry is at the moment. So this is why we need to have some a complete rethink on how we're operating the service to ensure we actually can get the throughput of licenses. And on the other side, to make sure that we can start this planting regime, which has been stalled for the last two years, so we can have a line of timber coming forward for the generations ahead of us. 
Senator Tim Lombard. I also spoke this week to Michael Moroni, Chief Executive of the Association of Farm and Forestry Contractors in Ireland about how the licensee debacle is affecting the sector. Very, very significant negative impact on the forestry contractor sector. Many forestry contractors are way back in terms of work. Many machines are being idle because the licenses haven't been issued to allow for felling of timber. And I would say it's a national disgrace that the situation has evolved as it has. But we're importing timber. There's a shortage of timber and we can't cut it from our own forests with our own equipment. And many of the contractors are suffering as a result of that. And essentially, it's really a national disgrace at this stage because we're, we're way behind in terms of what's actually happened on the ground. And the Department of Agriculture, the Forestry Division, they will, they will uh, produce a forestry dashboard every week, which gives an indication of the level of performance of what they have achieved in terms of licensing. And you know, they are significantly behind their own targets uh, which is just, it, it, it's hugely disappointing. But more importantly, it has a direct impact on the incomes of our forestry contractors because they are depending on this. They've invested in technology and we know that many of them over the last 10 years have invested in the region of 350 million euro throughout Ireland to buy new forest equipment, forest machinery. And, and part of the reason for that is why they keep buying new stuff is because if they're working for Quilcher, for example, and Quilcher are impacted by this as well, they will insist that the machines they use are less than five years old. So today to buy a forest harvesting machine, we are talking about a, 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 we're talking about a, a ticket price or a list price of close to 500,000 euro, a very significant investment. And at a time when the actual, the level of activity due to the licensing is almost at a standstill. Uh, that, that's a huge, huge problem. Michael Moroni, Chief Executive of the Association of Farm and Forestry Contractors in Ireland. Farm Talk on C103. Department of Agriculture, Regional Veterinary Labs, RVLs, report a marked prevalence of seasonal phosphorus deficiency in blood samples from certain dairy herds. Of the 73 bovine bloods tested for PI, inorganic phosphorus, in Athlone Regional Veterinary Lab in April 2021, 47% had PI values which were low or below the normal range. The dry weather period tends to decrease the ability of pasture to uptake phosphorus. This was observed in a prolonged dry spell in April and May of 2020. Phosphorus deficiency in cattle is associated with weakness, decreased milk yield, infertility, and peak or depraved appetite, a craving for cattle to lick or eat abnormal items such as stones. Veterinary practitioners have been alerted by the department and they will consider seasonal phosphorus deficiency in herds where these signs occur and will confirm this by blood samples sent to the nearest RVL Regional Veterinary Laboratory. Farmers are advised to contact their vet for treatment advice for their animals if they suspect this condition is present in their herd. They should discuss preventative measures with their vet or their Chagask advisor. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Seamus Lord and Chagas McCroom joins us this week. Today we're looking at grassland management for the coming weeks and how the grass situation is on farms as the weather has been quite variable recently. I suppose like everything else, it's the weather is one thing that we cannot control and I suppose over the last month, you know, we've had um, lower than normal temperatures. 
The rainfall was lower until last week, as you said there. We've had rain now for the last week, which probably was welcome. Um, but we've also had those strong easterly winds that were burning up a lot of uh, paddocks there on farms. So, do you know, the grass growth is not is lower than normal. I was just checking a few there in pasture base there. And for the last week, you know, they're, they're around 40 to 50 grass growth there for the last week or two. So, you know, it's back a third than what you'd normally expect, you know. That has affected, I suppose, grass supply on farms. You'd be hoping that to be up to 60 this week, you know, with the moisture. We are lacking temperature, there's no doubt that uh, the temperature is affecting it. And last year, I suppose, we were getting the growths to 70 to 80. So, you know, we are a bit behind than where we were last year. No, it's not all, I suppose, disappointing because talking to farmers out there, they'd be telling you that the utilisation has been excellent over the last uh, month or two. Cleanouts have been excellent. So the grass quality is excellent. Uh, cows are very content. Performance is, is, is very good. Um, farmers are very happy with it. And also we've seen, I suppose, when we're checking the, the grass there, the dry matters are actually higher than you would think. So, you know, there's probably more grass out there in paddocks than what we were thinking, and that's maybe showing why the cows are so content. And I suppose finally as well, another advantage of the spring we've had, there's very little damage done to paddocks. Um, the sward quality is excellent. And the, I suppose when we're coming into the reproductive phase now, which is May, there's actually very little stim out there on farms. So, you know, it's been a mixed bag. But I'd say, you know, if we get a bit of good heat now in the next week or so, I think uh, most farmers would look back and say it wasn't a bad spring at all, you know. Seamus, what should farmers keep in mind in relation to their grassland management now as we move forward over the next few weeks? I suppose we always come back to the same thing, Barry, is that um, we're asking maybe the farmers to walk the farm on a weekly basis, even may probably even more because things can change so fast if we get the temperatures. I know at the moment feathers are tight on grass, as I said already, but, you know, walking the farm, it kind of gives you an idea what's happening out there on your own farm because, look, we can give an average, say you're getting kilos of dry matter per day growth of 60, but, you know, that can vary from farm to farm, you know, and it could be you could be at 40, you could be at 80, and you could have less or more than what we are, you know, the average is. So things can vary a lot from farm to farm. So it's important that you, you do walk the farm yourself from that point of view. I suppose then if we look at your own situation on a farm, like really you should know your own stocking rate on the farm. Say four cows per hectare, uh, three to four kilos a meal you you will need to feed then when your growth rate's around 60. You know, so look, depends on your stocking rate. You have to work that out yourself. What is your stocking rate in your farm? You'll have an idea of the growths. We say if they're around 60, what we think will be weak ahead. You know, you still have to feed three or four kilos a meal at, at that stage, you know, or else you'll, you'll start running out of grass. There's other ways of looking at it too, Barry. If, if you look at, you know, you do your walk and if it's stopped growing tomorrow, how many days grass ahead of you have you on your farm? Have you eight or have you 10 grazings, you know, or days grass ahead of you? If you have, great, up to 10 days at the moment. Um, if growth starts coming good, all you need is eight, I suppose, really. But you're looking at roughly around 10, I think, at the moment. Or if you are measuring grass, I suppose another way of looking at it is roughly on a cover per livestock unit around 180 kilos. And, you know, that's what we'd be thinking at the moment. If grass does pick up again, which we expect it will, you know, you can reduce it a small bit down to 160 kilos per livestock unit. So what were we saying? You're targeting grazing covers of around 1,400. Look at your rotation length. Ideally, you know, you're on around 21 days, probably a small bit more up to 24 currently. And what is your, as I said already, what is your stocking rate? So there are a few important things to look at. If you do walk the farm and you see that, look, grass growth is starting to take off, you can identify surpluses maybe that, that may arise. And it's 
it's kind of identifying them early so you can act early so you won't get a situation where you end up with big surpluses and then you you take them out and you get into a deficit so the idea is trying to keep an eye on what's predicting what's going to happen on your farm and if you have to and you see surpluses coming you know it might be ideal to take off some bales there's been very few bales taken off this year as we said already because the growth rates are so low but just remember if you are taking off let's say roughly four bales to the acre in terms of peas and k's that's equivalent to a bag of 0730 or 1000 gallons of slurry so just keep those things in mind anyway barry i think and um, for the next few weeks anyway. Seamus Lorden, Tagus McCroom. We'll have more with Seamus on this topic in Wednesday's programme. Next, we're discussing weed control and how to get the most from a weed control programme. Mark Noonan of Wheelahan Crop Protection joins me. And being conscious of the unseasonably cold spell of late, I asked him about the best time to spray silage ground for docks. Well, unfortunately, uh, you're correct about the unseasonably cold spell of weather. Your listeners won't have had many opportunities to spray their silage ground uh, in the last month. It's been quite cold. It's never helpful when you're attempting to control weeds. Ideally, Ari, you would spray your silage ground at least three weeks to a month before cutting silage. The reason for this is to ensure that the dock has sufficient time to wither away, but not only that, is to get a good translocation down to the root in order to get effective kill of the weeds to take them out long term. On from that, you certainly don't want to bring dying docks plants into the silage as well. That will affect the fermentation process, plus reducing the, the quality of your silage. Many of your listeners, the opportunity to treat your silage ground with a herbicide is probably past. Many of them are only two weeks away, which is, which is a little bit close to the cutting time, but it will be cutting your silage shortly. But there, however, there is another opportunity uh, to spray these weeds about three weeks after cutting when the weeds are at their correct size for spraying again. And incidentally, I suppose just to give a, uh, an example, think of a dinner plate size for your docks eight to ten inches higher across. There are a number of important points in helping to ensure that we get the most from the weed control programme. Correct. Uh, there are a number of factors, Barry. Uh, some of these include always use higher levels of water with your herbicide. So the label will state how much water you should use, and always use the upper limits. This doesn't dilute the herbicide. It affects, it gives you more effective uh, herbicide kill in the long term as well. You should always avoid spraying in cold conditions, which we've had for the month of April, to be, to be fair. It's milded up recently. However, it is a little bit broken. So you need active growth for effective weed control, and cold binders certainly is a hindrance to this. Avoid spraying in drought conditions. Uh, soil moisture must always be present in order for our herbicide to work. Keep an eye on your local weather forecast, so that's particularly important at the moment with the broken weather. It's important that you spray onto a dry leaf, and on from that, it's important that it remains dry for at least two hours afterwards to, in- to ensure that the herbicide becomes rain fast. Ensure to check the label of the product that you're using. Always ask your advisor if the herbicide that's been prescribed is clover-friendly or not. So for a lot of people these days, uh, clover is a very important constituent uh, of this ward, and you certainly want to protect that if that's the case. You should always avoid spraying under a hot midday sun. And the reason for this is you can get a magnification effect of the water onto the leaf with a hot sun. It can be stressful to the grass. Always spray the weed at the correct growth stage. So as mentioned earlier on, docks should be 8 to 10 inches higher across. Thistles maybe around 8 inches. And once you get nettles about 10 inches, you're good to go. If the docks or other plants have gone to feed, it's always important to top them and spray the regrowth about three weeks later when they've reached the correct size. Following on from that, always ensure you use the correct product that will control the weeds present in your swords. And finally, be aware of buffer zones. Uh, the environment is more important uh, than ever, and it's in the news a lot, and it's very important that we protect our surface water bodies. 
that can all, also be found in the product label and just, just to be very conscious of that. And how would I know what the level of duck infestation is in my sward? Well, it's very important to know what, what the level of infestation is to begin with, uh, to know what it's actually costing you. And I suppose just, just to go through that, uh, you apply the 7 by 5 metre rule in a representative area of the field, Barry. And what that is, it's a 7 metre by 5 metre rectangle. Okay, For every dock or thistle plant you count in that patch, this represents a 1% reduction in your yield. So if you count 10 docks in that 7 by 5 metre rectangle, that means you have a 10% dock infestation. This can represent a yield reduction of up to a ton of dry matter per hectare with an approximate value of 160 euros. Now, we talk about that economic cost uh, with the yield, but it's not just that, it's quality as well, because the stems of docks can play havoc with puncturing round bales, and docks can also have process in the pit, leading to a reduced quality in your silage. Now, incidentally, if your infestation is 5% or less, that's not going to have uh, a massive uh, impact on the quality of your silage or your yield. You can accept that low level, level of infestation or you can spot spray with a product like Grazon Pro. Now, that's quite useful if clover is uh, present in your sward as well, so you're not, you're not doing a broadcast across the field and taking out your clover. However, if populations are higher, you can economically justify using products like Dockstar Pro or Forefront Tea or Pastor Trio, just being conscious that they will take out your clover. Farm Talk on C103. There has been a call that all farmers who applied for REAP must be accepted for the scheme. The REAP scheme, Results-Based Environment Agri-Pilot Project to REAP, has been oversubscribed. Current figures suggest the number of applications would be at least double the number of places available. IFA Rural Development Committee Chairman Mr Michael Biggin said the scheme, while we know it's only a pilot project to run along with the existing schemes for this year and next, the budget of €10 million per annum is totally inadequate to cater for the demand. He said of the €79 million allocation to agri-environment and other farm support measures in Budget 21, €56 million was EU funding and €23 million from the carbon tax. This €23 million is a long way short of what should be allocated in 2021 if the government is to live up to their commitment to allocate €1.5 billion from carbon tax to fund a REPS2 type programme. Mr Biggins claims there was a commitment given that this would be in addition to CAP Pillar 2 funding. The IFA Rural Development Committee chairman claimed that the high level of application from farmers was no surprise given the number who had left the AR scheme and the new entrants who had no environment schemes at all open to them. This shows, he said, there is a demand for environmental schemes amongst farmers. Michael Biggins said the IFA was calling on the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine to increase the budget to meet what he said was the demand to ensure all farmers who wish to take part in REAP would be given the opportunity to do so. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Michael Moroni of the Association of Farm and Forestry Contractors in Ireland joins me again with a plea to all contractors to take a zero-tolerance approach to the sharing of tractor motion videos on social media sites during this year's silage harvest. He explains what's been happening. Well, at FCI, we become aware, particularly last year, that videos of machines in motion were being posted on various social media sites, particularly TikTok, and they were kind of portraying contractor operations during silage harvesting as a kind of entertainment, in a sense. And really, I suppose we wanted to emphasise that this type of behaviour is dangerous, but it also undermines the seriousness and the risks associated with, with 
the skill of using high output machinery in a modern farm contracting situation. Like it's important just to make the, the, the distinction because some people like to video their, their equipment because they're proud of it, because they they like the kind of work they do. And then other people like to take these videos for you know, for less serious reasons and, and for entertainment and, and to show some wild antics as such. So that's the minority group to be straight about it. But either way, anybody using a handheld device taking a video while the machine is moving, you know, that's an extremely dangerous practice. And it's a practice that puts them their own health and safety at, at risk, but it puts the at risk the safety of other people as well. And and obviously at this stage on the public road, that sort of behaviour is illegal and taken very seriously by the Gardaí, who are aware of it and they're aware of it because they're monitoring the TikTok site as well. So it's important to make that point to everybody uh, at this stage. And and I think really what we're trying to say is this is something that we have to take really seriously because the dangers involved are so significant. Having an accident with a modern farm machine could be a life-changing or a life-threatening situation. And everybody needs to be aware of that. The wider issue is the issues that probably need to be addressed then, the lack of driving skills or the lack of safety awareness on a tractor. Those are key issues. They are key issues. And for that reason, we've encouraged all our members to do, at this stage, to do what's called a toolbox talk before the silage harvesters. And many of them have it done, and many of them will be doing it this week, is to sit down with their teams of drivers and go through uh, what will happen and give them clear guidance about what's acceptable and what's not in terms of safety and in particular on the issue of the use of mobile phones. So it's important to that, and most contractors, FCI members, and we're aware of it, most of that, those contractors have are, are run, run a business. They operate with a safety statement, which is a, a legal requirement for any. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Business, and part of that is that the, the employees and the members of the team 
will have to read that safety statement and they'll have to sign it. And, and, and that's their acknowledgement of their responsibilities. But it's important that it happens and it's important that there's a two-walk talk at this stage before the season begins in earnest. People operating machinery like tractors and that during silage, many will say there's a necessity to use a phone. There's a safe way of doing it, Michael. And I guess that's the key message. There, there most certainly is. And we've encouraged all our members to fit, uh, you know, to fit Bluetooth systems into their tractors, which is quite acceptable. Uh, many contractors will use two-way radios where there's no video. It's merely a voice communication system. And that, in that sense, then, that doesn't provide, this, provide the distraction that the videoing type system does with our smartphones. So, you know, communications is important. Sometimes people are working, uh, you know, are, are moving up and down an area and it's important to be able to communicate with other people who are part of the silage team. Uh, but in many, many cases, two-way radios are more than satisfactory, are very adequate and have been used for numbers and numbers of years with great success. Michael Moroni of the Association of Farm and Forestry Contractors in Ireland. Dairy Gold has once again launched the Rapid Pink campaign for the silage season, an initiative run in conjunction with the Irish Cancer Society. Dairy Gold's retail marketing manager Gillian Foley is here to tell us about it. So Rapid Pink started in 2015. Um, Dairy Gold um, were the first. We were the first um, company to introduce pink silage wrap to Ireland. And how it originated was our our board of directors. Um, of Dairy Gold were, were on a trip to New Zealand prior to that. And they actually saw it being done in New Zealand um, with the same sort of association with the breast cancer charities over there. And, it, it, you know, they could, they could see from, from meeting with farmers over there how, how successful it was. So once they came back then, we, we, the idea was brought to a table in, in Dairy Gold one day and it, it grew from there. And farmers here, of course, are the other link with it. So how have they embraced it? Yes, farmers have really embraced it with, with open arms. And, you know, we're, we're really grateful to our own farmer members and farmers all over Ireland, you know, who, um, who have supported the campaign. I mean, you know, it's always been black rap for farmers, so... You know, to see to see farmers um, embrace the pink wrap over the years has it's it's fantastic. You know, just just to see the difference it has made, not just in terms of the monies raised um, from the initiative, but also just to see um, how it raises awareness, I suppose, of breast cancer um, and reminds women, I suppose, across rural Ireland, you know, the importance of of getting checked and of early detection. And that that's really what it's you know it's really a twofold objective. Um, for the campaign um, both to raise money and and raise awareness Everybody's aware of the work of the Irish Cancer Society the money raised then obviously goes to fund all the important services that they provide So look breast cancer is one of the most common cancers in Ireland and I think it's approximately 3,700 people who are diagnosed with the disease each year so yeah Rapid Pink plays a vital role in supporting the society early detection messaging I suppose and also um, the fundraising um, the fundraising that that we do in Dairy Gold for the Irish Cancer Society, um, who we've been partners with now since 2015, it goes towards, um, I suppose, both. You know, there's there's two elements: um, the research that goes into the, you know, the um, treatments for breast cancer, um, and which is obviously really important um, for patients, and also the support um, available for patients and their families. 
So, you know, there's there's, there's support, there's helplines um, that are made available to patients. Um, there's um, transportation to chemotherapy appointments and lots of other support services. And I think, you know, from speaking to many of our farmer members through our store network, we, we, we see the huge appreciation um, that there is out there among people who've been affected by cancer for the Irish Cancer Society and the support that they give people when they're on that journey. So the next thing we must do is get farmers involved and interested. Yeah. So how can they do that? So listen, the, the obviously silage season is, is kicking off, is imminent. Um, and what we're asking um, farmers who are listening today to do is to just to consider a couple of pink um, rolls of wrap among among their, their silage wrap this year. They don't have to do their entire silage in pink. But, you know, we, we'd love to see more pink in prominent um, locations and fields across Munster and across Ireland. Um, so the pink wrap is available from all co-op superstores. We have 26 stores across Munster. And it's also available um, on our online store, coopsuperstores.ie. So there's a small premium um, of €3 Euro on the pink over the black. By paying that premium, you know, you're, you're supporting the Irish Cancer Society. Dairy Gold's Retail Marketing Manager, Gillian Foley. For our weekly update on Makra events in Cork, Ashling Walsh of Shandoon Makra joins us. Shandoon Makra have had a very busy week. We'd like to say a huge well done to Ballincotig Makra and to Glanmire Makra. We had great success in the radio drama on Friday night. Ballincotig managed to place second. It was a great achievement. A particular well done to our own Maureen Tuhig, who won Best Female on the night. We had another busy morning on Saturday morning. We'd like to say a huge well done to all who were involved in the darkness into light, particularly to our own Kinsale Makra, who were blown away by all the support they received. They managed to raise an amazing €936 Euro for a Pieta house. Thanks a million to everyone who supported them and who sent in photos on the day. So we have lots of events coming up this month. Shandu Makra will be holding a mental health talk with Jigsaw on the 20th of May at 8pm. This was organised by our own Royal Youth Officer, James Cassidy, who will feature um, professionals from Jigsaw. And it will focus on young people's mental health, which is particularly an important issue to you today, and promoting positive mental health today in young people. So please message us if you're interested in attending this workshop. Another event which we'll be hosting on the um, 25th of May at 8.30pm is an agri-talk. This will feature Pat Cashman from Goldcrop. He'll be speaking. It's sure to be an interesting night um, and all are welcome to attend. You can send us a message if you're interested in attending that also. Ashling Walsh of Shandoon Makra. Thanks to John O'Connor for co-producing and contributing to the Farm Talk programme again this week. I'm Barry O'Mahony. Thanks for listening. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Calf Milk Replacer, offering a wide range of calf milk replacers to suit your calf's needs. On C103. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.